0: Hello, everybody. Um, Our scripture today is from Genesis 3, verse 17 to 19. And he said to the man, Because you listened to your wife and ate from the tree about which I commanded to you, do not eat from it. The ground is cursed because of you. You will eat from it by means of painful labor all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you, and you will eat the plants of the field. You will eat the bread by the sweat of your brow until you return to the ground, since you were taken from it. For you are dust, and you will return to dust. Oh, I'm back, if you thought you got rid of me. Um, so we're carrying on our series on work, and I realize how unfortunate it is that we're speaking about work on Workers' Day, so I do apologize. You were trying to get away from it, and here we are talking on it again. But last week, we we talked a little bit about work as vocation, uh, and we, we looked at Genesis 1 and 2, and the idea that God is a worker, um, and looked at those two Hebrew words from Genesis 1 verse 2, tohu vabohu, um, which is... The idea of confusion and emptiness, and God at work takes confusion and emptiness. He takes uh, barrenness and, in, in one sense, like voidness. Uh, he, he takes chaos and disorder and he turns it into something fruitful and beautiful and, uh, and extravagant. And that we, as people created in the image of God, we ourselves are doing the work of taking disorder, of taking chaos, uh, of taking barrenness, of taking emptiness, and turning into something that is beautiful, uh, that is fruitful, um, that is ordered. Um, I was thinking about uh, that place called Babylon I don't know if any of you have been there. It's in the Cape. It's on the way to Franchuk. And, and when you go there, it's, uh, it's a pretty extravagant place. Um, you, you You go into this this farm and uh, you realize what people can do when they spend 20 to 30 years, I think it is, just deliberately working a place to bring order and beauty uh, into a place and you go to this place, Babylon's store and there's just like fruit trees and gardens and uh, there's even this one garden where they've got like crushed mother-of-pearl kind of like stuff. I don't know what it is, just on the ground. It's, it's incredible. It's extravagant. It's, uh, it's, it's a mind-blowingly beautiful place. And uh, to me, it highlights what happens is when you take an empty space and you put in the work. You turn emptiness, you turn chaos into order and beauty And fruitfulness. And that's something of the call upon every single one of us. As we go into our workspaces, uh, whatever area it is that we work in, we are called to bring something of order and beauty and fruitfulness into the chaos that we face every single day. Uh, Lisa is a teacher and she goes into the chaos of 20 kids running around, and uh, part of her Role is to bring order to 25 year olds. How you do that, I don't know. But it does it to bring order and fruitfulness and beauty, and uh, I do the work. But I don't know about you guys, but uh, probably if I had to do a show of hands, some of us would be able to put up our hands here. But uh, I don't know if you went from last week and you're like, okay, I'm going to go do this. Like, Inspired, maybe you won't. Maybe you're bored, slept through the service. You never know. But if you were inspired, you're like, I'm going into the week. I'm going to go and do this, and then you found, man, this is really hard. Uh, so, so maybe you did. And sometimes that's the reality. Work is just hard, um, which is why I think it's called work and not play or entertainment. Like sometimes it's just, it's really hard. And then. There's there's another part of work that I think is really difficult, is sometimes it feels like you put more in, than you get out of it. Um, So, if I had to do a show of hands, don't do it. But, uh, like, if you had to put up your hand and say, I think I get paid too little... Probably a whole bunch of us would put up our hands and go, yeah, that's me. I feel undervalued. I feel like I put in all this work. I'm not getting the reward um, um, that, that I want to. And that's because in some ways, work is just really difficult. It's really hard. In fact, it feels like the effort-to-reward ratio in work is often quite low, that the amount of effort you put in compared to the reward that you're getting out um, can feel significantly low. I'm a part of the kind of like millennial uh, age group, and I think one of the things about being a millennial is that in our kind of like formative idealistic years we grew up reading about places like Google um, which kind of like just destroyed our view of the working world because you know you're in the end of high school or, or varsity and you read about Google and you're like oh slides and games and recording studios and free food at any time you want and then you go into the working world you're like. Man, the place I work at is a dive. It's just, it's horrible. Like, why is it not like Google? Or, or maybe you grew up reading stuff like Jack Kerouac's book *On the Road*, and and uh, uh, you know we've entered this digital age and so like you want to become a digital nomad like this is the idea of work I want to travel and be able to work from wherever it is, like wherever I am and experience life and and then you get to like the working world and you work from an office and the office is pretty boring and bland and you can't travel because you're not earning enough and then the leave that you get is really low uh, and you're like man work is just horrible it's hard it doesn't feel that rewarding, um, and part of the reason is for the verse that Lisa read. Um, so we start off with the ideal last week, um, and this week we're looking at something of the problem with work, the pain of work, the, the, the fact that work sometimes is just really difficult. Uh, the word that it uses in my translation is work is toil, it's toil it's hard it's a uh, it's effortful putting in of work to of works excuse the the many works there to get something out um Um, that's part of sin coming into the world, part of man's rebellion against God is that work goes from being something of purposefulness and of order, something of uh, um, the significant part of our life where we find deep meaning and that work goes to a place where it becomes difficult and hard, that the system in some ways is broken. Work becomes toil. It becomes hard. And the other problem that happens with work is that we start develop. Work becomes really hard. But then we start also developing an unhealthy relationship with work. Um, so some of us have an unhealthy relationship with work because we just really hate it. Um, I don't know if you ever um, watched that uh, Trevor Noah. Uh, one of his Trevor Noah's comedy skits, and he talks about the Checkers cashier. You ever remember that thing? And he's like, what is it about Checkers and their staff? Because whenever you go to Checkers and there's a cashier there, and Trevor Noah tells it so well, and he's like, boop, 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 boop. And then they can't scan the barcode, and it's like they get this scowl on their face, and and like, what have you know, like... I think he uses the words, did my dad invent the barcode? Um, but you know, like sometimes you look at some people and you're like, yo, they really have an unhealthy relationship with work. I don't know if uh, you've been to Home Affairs. I don't know what it is with government departments with somehow like sucking the life out of people when they go to work. Because when you're at Home Affairs, it feels like some people have a really unhealthy relationship with work. But then some people have an unhealthy relationship work on the other way. Like you might have that person in the office when you've got there on Monday and you've just managed to get up in time and get into the office and they've like been there since six and they're like, hey, who's ready for the week? And you're like, not me, obviously. Um, but some people just are workaholics. They they have an unhealthy relationship work on the other way. But I, I want to look about these Two things, the first is, uh, is is work is really difficult part of the 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 curse of the fall is that work is really difficult it 's hard by the sweat of our brow where we eat our food. work is difficult, and uh, one of the, the the ways in which we respond. The unhealthy ways that we respond to the difficulty of work that the Bible talks so much about is we become lazy. Work is really hard, so what happens? We become lazy. Some of us become lazy. We think, "Man, this is too hard. I don't want to do this." Um, and uh, we all know who the lazy person is in the office. Um, it's it's always obvious. They think it's not obvious but we all know who who the lazy person is in the office and uh, but laziness is one of our unhealthy responses to the difficulty of work to the fact that work is toil to the fact that part of the challenge of work is that it becomes a, it's a difficult process in getting the reward out of it and so some of us become lazy if you read Proverbs, Proverbs is quite scathing on, on laziness. So I'll read a, a few Proverbs for us right now. But Proverbs 10 verse 4 says, Lazy hands make for poverty, but diligent hands bring wealth. He who gathers crops in summer is a prudent son, but he who sleeps during harvest is a disgraceful son. Proverbs 12 verse 24 says says this, diligent hands will rule, but laziness ends in forced labor. Proverbs 14 verse 23 says this, an unplowed field produces food for the poor, but in uh, no, sorry, whoever oh, sorry, I'm reading from the wrong chapter, my apologies. All hard work brings a profit but mere talk leads only to poverty one of the challenges that we face with the difficulty of work is that some people become lazy is that our response to the challenge of the fact that work is toil is that we just sit down and do nothing um we become idle busybodies. we can become like this person. we can talk a lot, but do very little and the end result the end result Proverbs says over and over again of idleness or of laziness is poverty. I don't, I don't want to become insensitive to poverty because we live in a country where poverty is not just about laziness. There are some people that work incredibly hard that can't break out of the poverty cycle because there are systemic issues that, uh, you know, that f- causes people to be in poverty. The, the difficulty of getting out of uh, edu- into proper education, etc., 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 Lisa and I often talk about one person we know who is just such an incredibly hard worker, um, uh, incredibly hard worker. Has so much initiative. Has a couple of her own businesses, etc., etc. Just can't seem to get out of the poverty cycle. And sometimes that's because poverty is not just about work. There's systemic issues. But what what Proverbs is saying is that some people live. In want because they are lazy. That the end result of their laziness, the end result of their inability to deal with the toil of work is their own demise, is ruin. It, laziness turns to poverty. Um, and sometimes. You know, if we, if we don't just think of wealth, it's like the laziness of school, just not doing the work, and it's like, oh, I didn't pass, you know, I didn't pass varsity. It's like, well, you, you know, little piece of advice, why don't you study next time? Might help. You know, like sometimes the laziness in that all turns to poverty in that kind of way. Work is hard, it is difficult. It is one of the challenges that we live in post the fall of Adam and Eve is that work is hard work. We are all called to work. We know the... as we mentioned last week, we know the call that we are called to work. God is a worker. We've called to to do to bring order and beauty and fruitfulness to the chaos and disorder and emptiness of this world. We're called to do that. But as we start to do that, it is difficult, and some of us can respond in that way by becoming lazy, sitting down and being like, "Yo, I don't know if I'm going to do this. It is just hard work." Ecclesiastes 2 says this. (laughs) Ecclesiastes, what a fun book to read. Ecclesiastes 2 verse 17 says this. So I hated life (laughs) because the work that is done under the sun was grievous to me. All of it is meaningless, chasing after the wind. I hated all the things I toiled for under the sun, because I must leave them to the one who comes after me. And who knows whether that person will be wise or foolish, yet they will have control over all the fruit of my toil, into which I have poured my effort and skill under the sun." This too is meaningless. So my heart began to despair over all my toilsome labor under the sun. For a person may labor with wisdom, knowledge, and skill. And then they must leave all they own to another who has not toiled for it. This too is meaningless and a great misfortune. What do people get for all the toil and anxious striving with which they labor under the sun? All their days their work is grief and pain. Even at night, their minds do not rest. This too is meaningless. I don't know about you, but uh, that guy's got an unhealthy relationship to work. Uh, and, um, but sometimes, like that is, like that's a source of our unhealthy relationship to work. We're just like, why am I doing this? Why am I getting up in the morning? Why am I carrying on uh, with the day? Why am I going to work? But we also have an unhealthy relationship to work because work is one of the ways in which we feel in control. We feel powerful um, at at work. James in, in James 4 verse 13 talks about a person who says I'm going to go to this city and go to that city and go to this place and that place and do work and do business and do that but he doesn't even know whether he will wake up tomorrow like there's a sense of powerfulness like that we get from work we think oh i am in control look if i work harder i get greater reward if i work harder i can get more out of of life and all of a sudden we think our work becomes like god It becomes the source of everything in our lives. We are in control of every part of our lives. But James reminds us that we... Or not? Jesus tells the parable of a man who uh, who is accumulating great wealth. Obviously, through his labor, through his his wisdom or whatever, he's accumulating great wealth. And he's like, I must build more storehouses, builds more storehouses, wants to fill them off, but uh, fill them up and accumulate all this wealth through his labor. But what he doesn't know is that very night he is going to die. So there's a sense that Work can give us a sense of control that isn't really control. Um, Ecclesiastes 4 verse 8 says this, There was a man all alone. He had neither son nor brother. There was no end to his toil, yet his eyes were not content with his wealth. For whom am I toiling, he asked, and why am I deprived myself of enjoyment? This too is meaningless, he goes on, a miserable Business. There is this idea, there's this thing that happens, this unhealthy relationship that we have to work when we see ourselves as all powerful in work is that we become workaholics. And uh, I don't know if you've seen this, but often what happens uh, with people that become workaholics is that their relationships begin to fracture. I think even what the guy in Ecclesiastes is talking about is that relationships begin to fracture as work becomes our sense of all meaning, our sense of our identity. One person can go this way, a way into laziness, into sitting down and doing nothing. Another person can see the toil of work as an opportunity, a way of getting ahead, a way of becoming a workaholic. I am more powerful than my neighbor. I am better than this person. Look what I can do with the strength of my hands, with the brilliance of my mind. I can work hard and amass much But what happens is we build an unhealthy relationship to work. Is work becomes a place in which we replace God with work. Our source of life comes from our work rather than coming from God himself. Our source of our income, we lost any trust in God being a provider and we, all our trust becomes in our ability to do stuff. Our sense of worth comes from things that people say or how much money we have in our bank accounts or whether we get that promotion or not. You know, or, or not. Our sense of worth becomes totally linked to our workspace. I don't know if you've ever known someone who has lost their job and how it's completely shattered their world. How losing their job. It's like they've lost their complete sense of identity. Work can become God. On one sense, we have an unhealthy relationship to work. We're lazy. We're like, work is the enemy. It's the devil. I'm going to try everything I can do to not do work. I had one friend who always whenever I asked him, he's acknowledged that this wasn't a, a great thing that, that he used to say, but he always used to say to me, I'm like, dude, what do you actually do? He says, I do as little as I can for as much as possible. I was like, okay. doesn't Doesn't oh, you're a drug dealer because that still doesn't explain what, what you do. But sometimes I, we have just such an unhealthy relationship to work. It is the enemy. But in the other way, we have an unhealthy relationship to work because it is our God. It is the thing that we serve with all our might because we get all of our identity, all our sense of meaning and control. It is the source of everything that we have. But as as we first through this idea of work and last week like I said we looked at work as vocation uh, trying to have a healthy understanding of work trying to remind ourselves that actually God is a worker and us created in the image of God we've been created to work Um, and and part of having a healthy understanding of work is being able to fuss through both laziness and workaholism and how do we find a healthy space in the midst of life in which work is toil? And, and just a, a couple of points maybe that will help us. Well, the, the first thing that I think we, we understand about work, and, and we've mentioned this as we've gone through our Galatians series, but in the gospel we find a new identity, a new identity that helps us see things like race and culture and wealth all in a new light. A new identity that helps us see family and friends, that helps us see work in a new light. That Christ himself becomes our identity in Christ uh, is our primary identity space. That we who have put our faith in Christ now find our identity in him. That Jesus is the one who saves us, that rescues us, that uh, frees us from a world of sin and death. And uh, in his death, in his resurrection, we find new life. We find new meaning. Um and uh And the Gospel frees us from an identity of being enslaved to work. finding our identity in work is a really hard taskmaster. Um, work is a hard taskmaster it's a difficult god if if we make God our work, it becomes a really enslaving. God, we have to be more successful. What happens when someone arrives at your workplace and is better than you? Work becomes a hard taskmaster. You have to work harder. You have to be better. What happens if your business fails? What happens if you lose your job? All of a sudden, the God of work becomes a hard taskmaster. Our identity gets crushed. But the gospel frees us from the enslavement to an identity to work by giving our identity in Christ. Because we do not have to work for Jesus' love, for Jesus' approval, because we do not have to work for for Jesus' hand upon our lives, for Jesus' favor, because we do not have to work for it, it comes from Christ himself. We ourselves do not have to feel trapped in our workplaces. We ourselves do not have to feel trapped in the rat race of trying to become someone amazing at work. We are loved and accepted. We are, are looked upon by God with favor because of Christ. Not because of how good we are at work, but what the Bible also teaches us is that we should trust in God for our provision uh, one one of the, I find one of the most interesting and and challenging passages of the Sermon on the Mount is is In chapter 6, verse 25, it says this, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying at a single hour, to your life what we learn is that God is our provision he is our source in God we are freed from the endless endless anxiety of having to provide in every single way that God is our source it teaches us to trust in him I don't know if uh if, if you've ever gone through a, a journey like this, I, I remember once uh, needing provision for something and was really anxious about it. Um, and and I was unhealthily anxious about it you know you're feeling sick walking around can't sleep because you you are needing provision and finally one day just coming back to us and saying God what am I doing my source of my income is not my workplace it is you all good and perfect gifts come from my father above you are my source can I put my trust in you and uh I know this sounds really cheesy and I'm not really trying to be cheesy and this is not a prosperity kind of thing. But I remember the next day after just resting and trusting in God, I got a phone call from someone who who told me that the amount of the thing that I needed to pay for was paid for by someone else. Um, And just realizing that God is our source, our provision, the one who provides Part of the curse of the toil of work is that we slip into an unhealthy relationship where we think we are the one who provides everything. But God is still the source of our provision, the source of our lives. God is still the source of our income, the one who gives us every good and perfect gift. In Colossians 3, verse 23, a really important passage um, when it comes to work says this It says, Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord. Christ you are serving. Anyone who does wrong will be repaid for their wrongs and there is no favoritism. Masters provide your slaves with what is right and fair because you know that you also have a master in heaven. What we learn is even in the difficulty of work is that in the faith, living as Christians, is that the way that we do work really matters it really matters that uh, we don't work for our bosses per se. We work for God. Um, one, I, I've mentioned this before, so sorry to to mention this so often but uh, secular historians talk about one of the things that changed the the trajectory of of Europe uh, from the 1500s in terms of of success and wealth and things like that one of the things that changed the trajectory of Europe was the Protestant Reformation and with the Protestant Reformation came the came the what they called the Protestant work ethic the Protestant work ethic Um, um, one of the the associate um, vice chancellor of, of UJ, actually writes an article for, um, for the Daily Maverick in which he says, he says one of the things that he talks about is how we in the church in Africa have replaced the Protestant work ethic for the prosperity gospel, which is this idea that came as, as we work for God you know, so we're gonna work with all our might to the prosperity gospel, which is God just bless me no matter what I do, you know, like if I just come to you where well, you're just like, Woohoo, I can do whatever I want, but God is just gonna bless me, um, uh, we've exchanged a Protestant kind of work ethic, this idea that the way that we do things, the way that we work really matters. That we work for God. God is our ultimate master. And that work has a reward that goes beyond our paycheck. Don't, don't you find that amazing? Since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. That's the way that we work and our work um. There is a reward that goes beyond our paycheck. God, we work for God. And from God will come a reward that is bigger than the salary that we receive. I'm coming to a close now. But we work also to be generous. Um, I always have a chuckle when I read this passage in Ephesians 4 verse 28 because um, I wondered if it would it would work here in South Africa if I met someone like this. But Ephesians 4, verse 28 says this Anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work. You're like, cool, that's simple, Paul. Like, wish I could just say that in Pine Town, where I live. It would help things. But anyone who is stealing must steal no longer, but must work doing something useful with their own hands that they may have something to share with those in need. Anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work. What, like, where is Paul going with this trajectory? At another point, Paul says, if a man uh, does not work, he should not eat. So we see that part of the purpose of work is provision. I uh, mentioned that last week. Part of the purpose of work is provision. So we work so that we can put a roof over our heads so there can be food on the table. We work for provision. But there's what Paul, come, what Paul alludes to here is he's like, man, stop stealing. Stop, like, you know, cheating out on people because part of the purpose of our labor is to be generous. To be generous. When we have an unhealthy relationship with work, when we become workaholics, what we end up doing is building storehouses. We end up building these huge bonds. Everything about our labor is for ourselves. We end up having an unhealthy view of poverty where we can't even see that poverty is is. Yes, some of it comes from the fact that people are lazy, but poverty also comes from systemic issues. So we don't want to be generous. We don't want to give to the poor. We don't want to give to, 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 maybe NPOs that help in that situation. We're like, ah, oh, you know what? I've worked for all of us. It's all mine. You know, I've worked hard. If people just got off their backsides, if I'm allowed to say that in church, but like, you know, and and just worked, then they wouldn't be in their situ- in that situation. Despite the fact that Paul. I mean, we covered this in Galatians. We look at this now. The call for us is to remember the poor, is to be generous to those in need. Part of the reason you are working is not for yourself. It's for others. When we have a healthy relationship to work, what happens is our hands become open. Generosity begins To flow. When we have a healthy relationship to realizing that work is not God, God is God. Work is something that we do, part of the reason we've been created for. We can become generous. Yes, work is hard, and we don't want to become lazy, but work is not God. We don't want to become workaholics. And often the tendency, the end result of workaholism is often stinginess, hoarding, building bigger storehouses uh, and not letting money flow. And then last thing I'll say quickly um, in, in classic charismatic style is I, I think one of the things that we can trust God for uh, in work is that God will multiply the fruit of our labors. Um, you know, one one of the, the curse upon man on work is that work would be hard, and there's almost like diminishing returns for our labor, that our labor is hard, and it just feels like however hard it is, the, the return doesn't come. But there's over and over, we see these, Moments where Jesus kind of intervenes in the current order of things. He intervenes, and all of a sudden, five loaves in turn, uh, two fish feed 5,000 people. Um, Or he intervenes when they, they need to pay their taxes and he tells Peter to go out and fish, and they fish, and out of the fish pops. The the coin, uh, uh, we see that Jesus intervenes in, into the natural chaotic order of things, and He Himself is able to provide, or He Himself is able to multiply the the fruit of their labor. When P, when Jesus calls Peter, um, uh, when He calls Peter, Peter and them are fishing. Uh, and and what happens they've been fishing all night and they don't get anything and then Jesus says to Peter you know why don't you go out again and cast your nets on the other side and they can imagine them as fishermen and this rabbi comes in and then you're like yo what is this guy doing like trying to tell me a fisherman i've done this my whole life you're like a rabbi and a carpenter you know nothing about fishing like are you telling me how to do my job and they're probably humoring jesus out of respect and they go and do it and they cast their nets on the other side and there's a supernatural provision so much that their nets begin to break with the load of fish we can trust god that the fruit of our labor can be multiplied that God is not calling us to treat him like a stock machine. We certainly do not hold to a prosperity gospel view where we just come to God and give our money and then he is going to give us that Mercedes-Benz. We're not using religion as a mask for our own covetous desires or lusts. We're not using that, but we're trusting that the God who created the world... Jesus who is able to supernaturally provide for his disciples so he can multiply our labor as we work as we begin to take God's God a worker as we begin to take the confusion and the emptiness the brokenness and the toil as we begin to create beauty and order and fruitfulness in the world, as we put our effort into that, knowing that God who works with us can do more than we can do by ourselves. Can I pray? Father, I pray for for all of us. Your work is a, a difficult place. We'll probably spend... 40, 50, 60 years of our lives working, if we think about school, 70, uh, however many years of our lives working, day after day, day after day, uh, every day struggling with the fact that work is a toil, struggling with the fact that sometimes it just feels, no matter how much effort we put in, uh, that the reward doesn't seem as, as high as our effort but Lord, I pray for, for all of us, I pray Lord that we would not slip into laziness, into poverty, into excuse making, and I pray Lord that we would not slip into uh, a view of work as, uh, as an idol, becoming workaholics, uh, becoming hoarders, becoming people who are not generous, uh, who can't see work as this means of, of blessing the world and and our neighbors Uh, and so I pray Lord for each and every single person here in Harbour City that you would give us a new vision for work that you would remind us that you God are a worker and that when work is hard that we won't uh, give up in laziness or we won't try and take control and become workaholics but Lord we would work as if we're working for you remembering that you will give us an inheritance beyond this life I pray for every person struggling with work. Um, I pray, Lord, that that you, you would help them as they go to work on tuesday wednesday thursday and friday i pray lord for people with businesses that you would bless their businesses you would put their hand on their businesses as they work in those businesses for uh, uh that they would work for the glory of you lord not just for the success of their name i pray lord that they would work for the glory of you i pray for those who are struggling to find a job in harbor city uh who feel like they've they're just so discouraged. They put their CV out so many times and, and nothing's coming up. Lord, I ask you that you would begin to open up a door for them. That uh, whether it's the right phone call or or the the right opportunity or seeing an advert or an, a message coming from a friend, I pray, Lord, that you would uh, provide work for them in Jesus' name. And I pray for all of us at Harbor City that we, like you, would take... The confusion and emptiness, the chaos and disorder, the barrenness, and we would turn it into something that is beautiful and ordered and fruitful. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Have a good evening, everyone. Enjoy, uh, enjoy the day off tomorrow. If you do have a day off, I know some spaces.